Hello, hello! Welcome back to Loki's Librarian. If you are new here, welcome. I am your librarian, Katrina, and this is where I am reading through the enormous library books that you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis to tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. This week's book hit my radar courtesy of the Joe Rogan Experience when he had author Dr. Rick Strassman on making this week's book of the week the Psychedelic Handbook, a practical guide to psilocybin, LSD, ketamine, MDMA, and DMD ayahuasca. The accompanying cocktail was not so easy to pick. Um, Googling psychedelic cocktails kicked back a bunch of like funky layered cocktails, which I can't do layered cocktails. It's not that I can't make them, I can, they just don't layer right, and so it just ends up looking like globs. So that was right out. And anything else said actually to put psychedelics in them, which I am not doing uh, for a variety of reasons, mostly the legality of it. I don't want to go to jail. It's just crazy. I just want to stay on the side of the bars. I like it out here. I like the little bit of freedom that the government has still left me. I want to use that to the most of my benefits. Um, but also because Dr. Strassman does not recommend mixing alcohol and psychedelics. So I found instead an absinthe-based cocktail, um, absinthe being called the Green Fairy in the 19th century since it was believed that the wormwood and the liqueur caused psychedelic effects. It does not, but that was the belief in the rumor and this is at least legal. So the cocktail is called the Dark Fairy Cream but it's one and a quarter ounces of absinthe, one ounce of chocolate liqueur, a half ounce of vodka, and one and a quarter ounce of half and half, or in my case, I am using heavy whip with chocolate shavings for garnish. So let's do this. Um, actually, no, there's some disclaimers I want to go through first. Um, and this covers both Dr. Strassman and myself. He literally says in the book, quote, if you plan to use my book as a resource to help guide others, you should get all of these, give all of these cautions to the people with whom you work. Um, if you are not interested in the disclaimers, you can skip to this time code. I will put the time code here and you guys can just skip to there. Um, the disclaimers though, let's see here. The psychedelics covered in this book specifically, specifically are psilocybin, LSD, mescaline, peyote, or San Pedro. They're all chemically similar enough to be one. Ketamine, salvinorin A or salvia divinorum, MDMA, 5-methoxy-DMT, aka the venom of the Colorado River slash Sonoran Desert Toad, Ibogaine, and DMT or Ayahuasca. He is not discussing any of their psychedelics, like period, full stop. He's not talking about any other drug. If it's not specifically mentioned above, it's not being discussed in this book. Ooh, I'm gonna have to fake it. I only have one to one and a half, so we're gonna, yeah, close enough. Into the jigger it goes. So there's that. So now there are possible positive health effects, which are still being evaluated by the FDA and the National Institute of Health. The DEA, not so much. I don't know what's going on there. I'm not going to like that. I really don't like the flavor of, of anise, which is the primary flavor index of, of um, absinthe. So um, one a proprietary blend of ketamine has already been approved for use in those uh, with treatment-resistant depression. There is not as yet any scientific evidence supporting claims that microdosing is helpful. There is a lot of anecdotal evidence, but Dr. Strassman, he is a man of science. He doesn't just play the political science game. He actually believes in science and he calls out people, scientists in this book, who get all rah-rah and woo-woo with it and are like, oh, this is the best thing ever and go, and, and go from being scientists to being advocates. I think he thinks that overall psychedelics are probably a good thing, 
but he also acknowledges that there we don't know a lot about them. They're, they're, well, yes, we have 50 years, 100 years of history in some cases. There's still a lot more to be done that should be done under a scientific umbrella, not just people wanting to experiment. Nothing wrong with experimentation. That's a totally valid reason for wanting to use psychedelics is to experience it and see it for yourself. But there needs to be more science backing it is what he's saying. What was my next thing? Chocolate liqueur. With all things, there are also possible negative health effects. Um, specifically, if you are under the care of a physician in any capacity, if you are under the care of a physician for psych psychiatric help, especially if you are receiving medication for psychiatric help, you should 100% discuss your desire to use psychedelics with your doctor before ever trying them. Um, there, that's because there may be interactions with your existing medication regime, and those interactions can be extremely negative. Uh, and we're not just talking about a bad trip. I mean, they could stop your heart, and it wouldn't necessarily. It could be the psychedelics, or it could be the medication you're already on just interacting badly. So if you are on any kind of a medication at all, whether it's psychedelics, or I'm sorry, whether it's for a psychological disorder or um, actual medicals, like if you have high blood pressure or if you're diabetic, if you're on any kind of a strict medicine regime, you should discuss it with your doctor, whether it's your, your primary care physician or your um, uh, psych psychiatrist, psychologist. Well, this is gonna be fun to pour. I see one else. This is not an easy bottle to hold. It's a big round thing. Okay. There's that. And then it's a half ounce of the vodka. Half ounce of the vodka. So yeah, you, you want to avoid, uh, so if anyway, if you're on antidepressants, antipsychotics, antihistamine, if you're under the care of a doctor, they need to know your intentions. Additionally, if you do decide to experiment and something goes awry and you end up in the ER, even if you're not on any other medications, if you're having a bad trip and you end up having to go to the hospital, for the love of God, tell the ER doctor what you took. Um, Doctor-patient confidentiality is actually not a Hollywood fiction. That is a real thing. And if you don't tell them what you took, they can't help you. And that goes for any drug, not just psychedelics. If you OD and go to the hospital for anything, tell them what you took so that they don't... Like, if, if you took heroin, they don't want to give you another suppressant of some sort. So be honest with your doctor. They're not going to rat you out. That was way more vodka than I needed. <laughs> there we go. Down that right away. So, what's next? Um, there are very real legal risks, very real, in engaging in experimentation with psychedelics listed herein. All but two of the psychedelics are, are classed as Schedule I controlled substances by the DEA, which means it literally does not matter if you live in a city, county, or state that has either decriminalized or even legalized psychedelics. Ultimately, the DEA, under the authority of the Controlled Substances Act of 1970, has the ability to throw your butt in jail if you get caught. Hence my desire to not experiment myself. I don't want to go to jail. Plus I live in Nevada. We have not legalized or decriminalized any of these. So I myself will not be using these. Close enough. I think that's all that goes in there for now. So Additionally, um, even if you do live somewhere where it is legal or decriminalized, if you are a federal contractor or in any way connected with the federal government, use of these substances could at best cost you your job, at best. So be aware of the legal repercussions of your decisions to experiment. 
Uh, one solid piece of advice in the book, if you are going to experiment, program the telephone number of an attorney versed in drug laws into your phone, just in case you need it, all right? If you're going to go the, uh, oh, it's for religious reasons route, you might also want to get a constitutional lawyer plugged into your phone. Just That's my own personal aside. This is shake, and I'm going to shake this up. Now, finally, Dr. Strassman and myself, for that matter, are not in any way, shape, or form endorsing the use of illicit drugs. Doc, he wrote this book following years of both FDA and DEA-approved scientific studies. He jumped through all the legal loopholes so that he could do this and be on the right side of the law and not get his butt thrown in jail. And I am only reading this book and telling you the information that is contained herein. Information is still free, or rather, it's still available. This has not yet been banned by the media. It's, you know, information just gets buried because the media sucks. These are definitely only half coupe glasses. Now that that's out of the way, what did I learn this week? I learned that Dr. Strassman didn't just conduct these studies as a scientist. They were scientifically conducted in full legal compliance with the FDA, the National Institute of Health, and the Drug Enforcement Agency. Um, again, he didn't really want to go to jail, much like most of us. We don't want to see the inside of a jail cell, neither does Dr. Strassman. So he followed all the required legal loopholes to make this happen legally. Well, I'm not going to get vigorous with the chocolate shavings. There we go. I have some chocolate shavings. Let's see how this goes. Um, but in addition to being an actual medical doctor, he has also gone through a four-year intensive course of psychoanalytics, uh, I believe where he was the one being analyzed. Interestingly enough, some of these are approved for use as part of a psychoanalytic course. That's in the book. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but they can be very helpful in doing this deep like cognitive dive. And he went through like a four-year course of that himself where he was being analyzed. Additionally, he was raised Jewish and has been a practicing, I think he said practicing Buddhist for 20 plus years. So his approach to psychedelics has been holistic in the purest sense of the term, both philosophically, meaning that it was characterized by comprehension of the parts of something as intimately interconnected and explicable only by reference to the whole. So he's looking at the whole experience of using psychedelics and medically, meaning characterized by the treatment of the whole person, taking into account mental and social factors rather than just the symptoms of a disease. So he's looking at everything when he's looking at this use. That's not bad. You can still taste the, taste the anise from the, um, the absinthe but it is a little bit buried under the chocolate. I would probably, honestly, if I was going to make this again, up the chocolate a little bit more to completely drown out the anise. I really don't like the flavor of absinthe. I am not a black licorice person, and that is the primary flavor. If, if you don't know what anise tastes like, if you've ever had black licorice, that's what it is. That's what it tastes like. That's the primary flavor profile of black licorice and absinthe and ouzo. There's quite a few that actually use anise as a primary flavor. Okay, off that tangent. By and large, the results, when taken and studied holistically, are remarkable. And I'm, I was truly blown away by, by what's going on here. So the book does break down specifically what happens medically, like which part of your brain is being activated by the psychedelic, depending on which psychedelic you've taken. Um, I, I, for several of them, I think the most promising being DMT ayahuasca, although psilocybin may, has also been promising. It actually helps heal traumatic brain injury. It, it might even be all of them, but I... That sticks in my head that it was DMT and I think psilocybin that helps to heal traumatic brain injury. So something about the chemical interaction activates your stem cells to start creating new neurons. Why are we not funding this? 
which means brain damage as a result of stroke or concussion, as a result of domestic violence, as a result of uh, MMA fighting or football, any traumatic brain injury can start to heal, can start to develop new neurons that helps to heal that, which is amazing. Several of these psychedelics have proven beneficial to people suffering from PTSD. I, it's MDMA, I know it's MDMA because I remember actually reading a news article about this and going, well, that's cool. Um, MDMA has been approved experimentally for use in, with the Veterans Administration in counseling veterans dealing with PTSD. Um, a lot of the studies are early on, uh, but the early indications are really exciting. Um, Ibogaine especially has been useful in combating drug addiction. Like it stops the urge to take other drugs cold. And we're talking like the, the opiates, the ones that are really hard to get off of. It just stops it. And it was either psilocybin or DMT that helps with nicotine and alcohol addiction. You know, maybe I don't ever want to try psilocybin then. I, I like my cocktails. That's not bad. But it also helps with end-of-life fear. So if somebody is dealing with a terminal illness, um, I think it was DMT because that's where you talk to, to the beings, and, and that's a fascinating thing too. But it helps with the end-of-life fear. So if you're like facing death's door, it can help you to get over being afraid of what's on the other side of it. Yeah, it, it had to have been DMT on that one. The, the, the beings are, and this is something that's really fascinating because it, it's, it's not a shared psychosis, I don't think, because in a scientific setting, they're dosing people individually, but a lot of people are resulting in the exact same experience, being that they are talking to other beings telepathically. It's fascinating. I, I, it's fascinating. Seriously, I, I wish that the government would stop being, you know, jerks about this. And the indications are not exactly early. I mean, some of this information comes from, I mean, it's like over 100 years old. They've been experimenting with this, with, with this stuff. He's got, he cites research from like the 1920s, so literally 100 years old. Um, LSD is 70 years old at this point. I think it was discovered in the 1940s. Um, Ultimately, and this predates the creation, obviously, of the Controlled Substances Act because they had to have something to control in order to create the act. Uh, the book covers, sort of, in a roundabout way, while the, why these things are illegal, and the irony is just too rich. Um, basically, it's all Dennis Leary's fault. In the best way, no, no hate to Dennis Leary, I adore him. But the impact that LSD had on him and his call to turn on, tune in, and drop out led an entire generation to rebel, right? That's what the 60s was about. That's, you know, the, the rebellion against the Vietnam War and the social unrest then. And in reaction, the government outlawed the substances that were encouraging that rebellion. And now those rebellious assholes, the ones who took all the LSD in the 60s, are the ones in Congress. And rather than overturning the CSA, they want to make sure, damn sure, the rest of us don't rebel against them in turn. And so very helpful drugs are kept on the Schedule One list. And he goes on to break down the, the classifications are. He, he only, he, there are five classifications. He covers schedules one, two, and three. I, I've got four and five in my write-up. I just went to the DEA's website to get information on what those were. So schedule one, which does include the classical psychedelics, so mescaline, peyote, San Pedro, LSD, psilocybin, DMT, and ayahuasca, the toad, and ibogaine, as well as MDMA and marijuana, are all schedule one. And they're scheduled because their abuse potential is high, they have no accepted medical use, and even under medical supervision, lack accepted safety. Bullshit. <coughs> Sorry, I meant to edit out that cough. 
Um, this is not to say that adverse effects, uh, I, I, I mean, now Dr. Strassman points out that literally no one has overdosed on psychedelics alone. And it's not to say that adverse effects don't happen. He carefully spells out that a bad trip is an adverse effect. But stories of people ODing, I think it said occur when the person who OD'd to a psychedelic used it in conjunction with another substance. Which means we don't actually know if it's possible to OD on psychedelics alone because no one's done it. It's literally never been tested, which it's just fine, right? Obviously we don't want somebody dying for experiments purposes. But it's also incidentally why he does not recommend taking psychedelic in conjunction with alcohol or any other substances. Or rather one of the reasons. The other reason I'll get into it in just a bit. So, and while marijuana is not covered in this book, is there anyone out there who genuinely believes there is no medical purpose to marijuana? I mean, anybody? It's highly efficacious in helping people with who, who are going through chemotherapy and fighting cancer so that they can, you know, eat and not lose a shit ton of weight as a result of the chemotherapy and the cancer. It stimulates the appetite, helps with stress helps with migraines. There's actually quite a few medical benefits that the government is refusing to acknowledge. Uh, and that's just for marijuana. There's a lot of a lot of benefits in this book mentioned to the psychedelics that the government is also refusing to acknowledge because then they have to give up control and we all know what control freaks the government is. Now schedule two, how's this for an example of how thick and corrupt our, uh, our leaders are? Schedule two includes cocaine, methamphetamines, and fentanyl. These are all characterized as having a medical use. They're still prone to, to abuse, but they've at least been acknowledged as being medically useful. Um, cocaine is used for, as an eye anesthetic. Methamphetamines are used for ADHD treatment. Oh yeah, you all thought Ritalin was just a name brand. It's essentially legalized methamphetamines. Fentanyl is used for pain treatment. It's an opioid. And still highly prone to abuse, but at least they recognize that medical benefit. Schedule three are less prone to abuse and have an accepted medical use, and that's where ketamine falls on uh, for its anesthetic properties. Although generic ketamine for depression is technically an off-label use, meaning that patients have to be informed of the risks before being prescribed it as a medicine. This isn't bad. I just, I just so don't like absinthe, and you can definitely taste the absinthe. That's okay. Um, the ones not mentioned, Schedule 4, Schedule 5. So Schedule 4 substances have a low potential for abuse relative to substances of Schedule 3. So it's relative, right? It's all relative. Uh, these include Xanax, cl Clonazepam, uh, Clorazepate, Trexine is the, the name brand, Diazepam, Lorazepam. All of these nice, lovely sedatives. I mean, no one's ever abused those before, right? And Schedule 5 have a low potential for abuse, which include uh, cough preparations containing not more than 200 milligrams of codeine per 100 milliliters or 100 grams of an ezogabine, which I don't know what that is, but basically cough syrup, aspirin, ibuprofen, those would be like the over-the-counter drugs that you could get, right? So all of this is determined by the DEA. Incidentally, they're the ones who decide what goes on which schedule. So there's not like you can appeal to the DEA to have them removed. I mean, I, I guess you could. There's probably a mechanism in place, but God knows how that would work. You're probably better off appealing to your Congress critters directly. I don't know. Uh, so the psychedelics discussed in this book, of the psychedelics discussed in this book, only ketamine and salvinorin A or salvia divinorum. Salvinorin A, salvia divinorum are the same thing, basically. Those are the only two that are not schedule one. Everything else is a Schedule 1. 
drug, meaning it's high up there, it's going to be a federal felony if you get caught. We're going to federal pound me in the ass prison. Ketamine is Schedule 3, and Salvinorin A is not actually classified yet. It's literally not illegal federally. Uh, individual states might have a prohibition on it, so if you want to stay on the right side of federal law and don't want to go to prison, Google your individual state and Salvinorin A or Salvia Divinorum and Google will tell you, basically. And, and it, it, that's something I would take to the bank. There's nothing, I mean, I'm not necessarily a Google fan, but they are going to tell you if this is legal or illegal in your individual state. And then you can grow your own, and he has instructions on how to use that to, you know, trip. Yeah. If you want to stay on the right side of the bars, live in a state where they don't give a shit, and that Salvinorin A will be your psychedelic of choice, so still won't be mine and I'm gonna get to why and at the very end of this I, I will not be tripping anytime soon it's just I'm, I'm I have goals which will be prohibited by experimentation with psychedelics that's all I'm saying so we talked about the possible benefits possible negative effects and interactions and bad trips we've talked about the legalese let's get into the meat and potatoes he does have an entire section describing what you can expect with each type of psychedelic as well as the best way to use it. Is it, you know, injection? Is it eating it? Is it inhaling it? Uh, snorting it? He goes over all of these and what is going to be your best method uh, and when you can effect, expect effects to set in, how long will it last? All of this is covered. And I'm going to repeat again here for those who, who skip the disclaimers, neither Dr. Strassman nor myself are endorsing or encouraging this use. However, as Dr. Strassman says, people are going to use psychedelics regardless. So be safe out there. Just if you're going to do it, be safe. All right. Talk to your doctor beforehand and be safe. That's all we want. We don't want people dying for, the, for, for a little fun. It's not worth it. Um, no one wants to have a bad time, especially if your goal is to seek a better mental headspace. Be safe if you're going to experiment. That's all he's saying. And then, and this is what I think is probably the most important chapter how to trip. It's literally the name of the chapter. Hold on a second. Let me look this up. Yes. Yes. Chapter 11. Hold on a second. Most important chapter. How to trip. Uh, Dr. Strassman says repeatedly throughout this book, there are three things that are paramount when deciding whether or when to use psychedelics. Set, setting, and dose. And by far the most important of these three is set. Set, not setting. Setting is important, but set is the most important. So set is our psychological, physical, and spiritual state, as well as our intention when deciding to trip. Psychologically, where's your head at? Again, if you are under the care of a therapist, especially one who is medically licensed to and has prescribed you medication for whatever you are being treated for, discuss it with your doctor. All right, you don't want to have an adverse interaction. Even if the worst that happens is a bad trip, do you really want to have a bad trip? Most people want to, you know, if you want to do psychedelics, you want to have, you want to have a good time, right? So talk it over with your doctor. If, if it's something that won't interact with your medications or um, if you can safely go off your meds, don't just go off your meds, discuss it with your doctor first, okay? Your doctor might say, no, this is not good for you in any way, shape or form. You know, they're a doctor for a reason, all right? Not all doctors are corrupt, disgusting pigs who are out for political power. Most of them do genuinely want to do good in this world. So, talk it over with your doctor. And if they're adamantly against it, you can listen to their advice, you can ignore their advice, or you can find a new doctor. Of the three, I would recommend, if you're dead set on doing it, 
at least seek a second opinion. You don't have to necessarily leave your doctor, especially if you have good rapport with them. All right, it's hard to find somebody that you really click with and who is helping you. So if you have good rapport with your doctor and you really are dead set on experimenting, get a second opinion. Nothing wrong with that. And the second opinion might look at your file and go, yeah, I'm sorry, but I have to agree with your original doctor. You don't want to just find somebody who's going to green light you for whatever you want to do because that's not necessarily what's best for you. All right, off the soapbox. Um, so again, if you're under the care of a specific provider, a general care provider for health conditions, talk to your doctor. Some psychedelics might cause an increase in heart rate. So if you're on blood pressure medication, you probably don't want to do that. Um, if you're on medication, you know, if you're not on any medications, if you're in reasonably good health, then how's your spiritual state? And no, no one is saying you should have a talk to a priest or have a come to Jesus moment before tripping. But generally, Dr. Strassman has found that those who believe in something have a more profound experience than those who believe in nothing. All right. And, and then intention. What do you want to get out of this? And will you be okay if you don't get it? I mean, if you are going on a DMT trip expecting to converse with, with the beings and they don't show up, is this going to crush you? Is this going to destroy your life? Or are you going to take whatever the experience offers and learn from it? So set is the most crucial. Uh, setting, where will you be during the trip? Are you going to be at home? Are you going to be in nature? There are pros and cons to both, and Dr. Strassman discusses this, as well as why you might want a sober sitter to watch over you in case of adverse effects, even if you're perfectly healthy, right? Even if you're not on any kind of a medical care, if you're not, you know, if you're, if you're psychologically sound and your overall physical health is good and you're, you're spiritually, you're right with, with whoever your God is, you still might want a sober sitter because you never know what's going to happen and what might cause a bad effect. All right. Maybe you're somebody like me who's like, I really don't want to get arrested. And you're going to start freaking out because, oh, my God, I did something illegal. Having a sitter there can walk you back from that metaphorical ledge. And that's not a bad thing to have. OK. And then finally, dose, which is not necessarily a simple thing to calculate. I mean, he has some general guidance calculations. But when you're trying to determine if you want a full dose or a micro dose and to, to not keep dosing if you don't experience effects right away because it might take a little bit longer for you. This is all discussed. Um, and overall, I think this book was highly informative. Uh, it's a little frustrating when we consider the power the DEA has. Uh, but, and I thought about this all in heart because I love to rail against the establishment, right? I'm not nowhere near as awesome at it as Timothy Leary was or is. He's not dead yet, is he? We still have Timothy Leary? The fact is we do live in a country that is three branches. We got the legislative, the executive, the judicial. Okay. The quick civics lessons here. Congress, the legislative branch, passes the law. In this case, the Controlled Substances Act of 1970. The president, i.e. the executive, then has to execute the law. In the case of the Controlled Substances Act, President Nixon, and every president since, frankly, has outsourced enforcement of the Controlled Substances Act to the DEA. And that's it, all right? The DEA is part of the executive branch. They execute the law as it was written and presented to them by Congress. So what can you do? Well, the states are, are practicing their civil disobedience. Uh, marijuana is still Schedule One, but 21 states have fully legalized it. And the DEA hasn't actually pushed too hard on that one. I think the last 
case that I heard of the one before the, the judicial branch, the Supreme Court, occurred in 2005, and at that time only 11 states had legalized for medical use. The U.S. Supreme Court heard the case on this matter, which was Gonzalez v. Raich, and voted 6-3 to three that medical marijuana was still illegal. So they decided there was no medical use to it, despite the shit ton of literature that's out there saying, yes, medical marijuana or marijuana has medical use. So the Supreme Court said, no, it doesn't. And the DEA technically still has a legal right to come and ignore you. I think mostly the DEA is ignoring state legal dispensaries. All right. They're, they're not pushing that 10th Amendment just yet. Um, they might do the same for psychedelics. I don't know. This isn't something that has really been tested yet. It's only been decriminalized and legalized in a handful of locations. I think Oregon might be the only place that's actually legalized it. Some places have decriminalized it, meaning that the local cops aren't going to necessarily go after you. It's not going to be high on their priority. So, I don't know. I mean, as it gains popular traction, who knows? Um, but if you think that psychedelics should be legalized, um, not just at a state level, but on a federal level so that, you know, we can all be free throughout the land. Reach out to your Congress critters, both the House of Representatives and Senators. I'm senators, congressmen, please heed the call. All right. They're the ones who write the law. They're the ones who will have to actually write a law saying marijuana, psychedelics, XYZ, whatever it is, is now legal. It's it's not much. It's a shot in the dark and it'll probably never happen because those self-centered assholes really don't want we the people seeing what they saw that made them rebel in the 1960s. But I mean, enough people petitioned for it, maybe we can force the issue. Um, but you know, if Congress legalizes and the president doesn't veto it and actually signs it, the DEA, their hands are tied. They have to execute the laws it's written. And if, it, if they're suddenly legalized on a federal level, nothing they can do about it. So it's just, just saying. Something to think about before the next election cycle. I mean, I know we just got out of one. We've got a year before they start hammering us with those ads again. But, and hell, even if you don't ever intend to use psychedelics yourself, I mean, why do you care what somebody else does? I mean, that is the overwhelming question. Why do you care what somebody else is doing? Um, so anyways, as to why I can't use psychedelics, I am currently working towards my federal firearms license pretty sure that unless it's legalized federally, being a known user of psychedelics will preclude my obtaining that goal. So pick your goals, you know, pick, pick your level of what you're comfortable with. I want to get that FFL, so I will not be using psychedelics myself. I will stick with the fully legal and somewhat pedestrian alcohol as a drug of choice. But you all have fun out there. I read this book, please, if you've never, especially if you've never, ever done psychedelics before, this is a solid resource, guys. Use it. If um, you're somebody who wants to use and your doctor says, I'm not sure that's a good idea, hand them the book. Say, well, can you please read this and we can discuss it at my next meeting or my next, my next appointment with you. You know, I mean, stay safe out there. Don't, don't hurt yourself for the, for, for an experiment. It's just not worth it. Again, not endorsing or encouraging this, guys. I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, be safe. All right? It's like sex. If you're going to do it, be safe. Wear a condom. It's putting that information out there. Thank you guys for watching. I will, uh, I'll see you guys later. Cheerio.